morning, Journey. Calm down. I could hear my wife over there. It's like when I'm driving. She thought I was going to dump that all over the floor. Come on. Come on. We had a good inch there. It's fine, right? All right. Well, it's good to be here, Journey, this morning. I tell you, this could get crazy. Um, the clock on the back isn't working, so <laughs> enter the sermon at your own risk. Um, I went to my fridge a little bit ago in my office, and I am all out of Diet Mountain Dew. And we are in the book of Leviticus, so let's get wild, all right? <laughs> um, but I don't know if you know this, but I am a, an order person. Like, I don't like things that disrupt order. I, I like point A to point B and don't give me anything in between. Like, I am very detail-oriented. I think one of the greatest inventions ever on the Mount Rushmore of things for me is Google Calendar. Uh, my life revolves around my Google Calendar. If Google Calendar ever goes under, I'm just going to die. Okay, it is the greatest thing. I, it's up there for me. GPS is on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, indoor plumbing, Google Calendar, and probably tacos. I don't know. Like, that's my Mount Rushmore of greatest inventions. And, and this is my calendar. Like, I am a nerd, all right? Like, I have color-coded things for different sections of my life, and some blocks are on my, in my life, like staff development or partnership development or stuff here at Journey or family things. They get their own color. And every color that's on your Google Calendar, I have an assignment for. Like, I am a freak, all right? And, and what I do, I use it for that. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. I use it for that because every block is something that I know is coming up. And so the most important things are what I put on there first. Like there are certain things that, that cannot change in my life. I, I have a, a uh, 8.15 Zoom meeting every Monday with all of my staff across the Midwest, and that never changes during the school year. So that goes on there first, and everything gets built around that. There are certain things in my life that go first, and then everything gets put around that. I, I think calendars for the most part, are probably the thing that run our lives the most. I think that old saying is, is probably still true with maybe a little change, but if you want to know what's important in your life, check your calendar and check your checkbook. For you young people, that's a thing we used to write to pay things, okay? Right? Check your app. I don't know what you... I, Check your wife. That's what I'd use for mine, all right? Um, and so that's what's important in your life. Uh, I read this week in, in a commentary from Warren Wearsby. He talked about some quirky things that have happened uh, as the calendar that we now use was formed over the years. Uh, he said in, in the time of Julius Caesar, the calendar was so out of step with nature that at one point Caesar ordered a Greek astronomer to straighten things out, and his original fix was to temporarily add three extra months to the calendar. So in the year 46 B.C., there was 445 days. So what, my question is, like, if you were born in one of those extra days, do you have a birthday? <laughs> like, when it goes back. And he says later on that when Great Britain and its colonies adopted the Gregorian calendar in 1752, September 3rd actually became September 14th, and 11 days disappeared from British history. And in fact, 20-year-old George Washington supposedly found out that his birthday moved from a February 11th to February 22nd. So two birthdays in one year. We live in a time, I think we've always lived in a time, when your calendar dictates your life. 
This morning, we're wrapping up our series through the book of Leviticus, and we're going to be in chapter 23. And actually, I'm just going to kind of give you an overview of chapter 23. We're actually going to read very little out of Leviticus this morning. But as we look at this, chapter 23 is this list of all the celebrations that God commanded his people to obey. Uh, So in Leviticus chapter 23, the first two verses, this is what he says. He says, the Lord spoke to Moses And he said, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord. These are the feasts that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. These are my appointed feast. So everything that you and I are going to look at this morning, everything that we're going to talk about falls under this umbrella this morning that for God's people, for Israel, what we're about to look at, these feasts, these celebrations, they're kind of the important blocks in their Google calendar. What God says to his people is he says, these are things, not that you get a choice on, these are things you must celebrate. These are the things that everything else in your life revolves around. These are the most important. And so in chapter 23, I'm not going to read the whole thing for you. I know you guys were hoping we could read more of Leviticus this morning, but we're going to just give you an overview this morning. And I think it's important that you and I, we talked about this a few weeks ago, we have to look at what God did in Leviticus. It's important for us because it paints a picture of who God is and it gives us purposes and it gives us things that help us understand who we're supposed to be. And so the first thing we're going to do this morning real quick is we're just going to simply look at the old covenant celebrations that God established. What are the things that God said, this is the most important thing in your life as a follower of God? These are the things that you must celebrate, you must honor, you must remember, and everything else in your life has to fit in around these. Well, the first one that God gives in Leviticus is the Passover celebration. And that's probably the one that you and I are most familiar with. It celebrated God delivering Israel from death. It, it was a remembrance of back in the, in the book of Exodus when God's people were set free from Egypt. They put blood on the doorpost and the angel of death passed over. That's where the name comes from. God's people and spared their life. And so God said every time, you have to celebrate this every year. One of the most important things that you do is remembering that I have delivered you from death. Death has passed over you because of the blood of the Lamb. And then he talks about a festival called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. And that celebrated God delivering them, not just from death, but from slavery. God says that unleavened bread is a reminder that when you left Egypt, when you were set free from captivity, you had to move so fast that you couldn't wait for the bread to bake. So you ate it unleavened. It didn't rise. You were in a hurry. He says, Every, you need to remember that on a regular basis that you have been set free, not just from death, but from the captivity of those who held you. Leviticus talks about the festival of first fruits, and that celebrated the harvest that was about to be taken. So in other words, before they would go into the field and reap the harvest, right before the, the tractor would go out, Right? They would, they would have this festival that would celebrate what they expected God to do. And then right after that was what was called the Festival of Weeks. And that celebrated the gift of the harvest that had been brought in. So God said it's, it's really important that you remember every year when you go to harvest that what's in that field, it only is coming out because of me. And God said it's important for you to remember that what you bring in from that field, that it's my gift to you. Well, then he talks about celebrating the feast or the festival of trumpets. And that signaled the coming new year. It was God's way of saying, don't forget that every new year is a gift from me. It's a gift of life. 
It celebrates the life that is given from God. And and the last thing that Leviticus 23 talks about is something called the Feast of Booths, or, or the Feast of Tabernacles, maybe in your translation. And this was their reminder of God's provision in the wilderness. So God would would tell his people to build shelters, and they would live in these shelters, these temporary, not really nice, kind of stick-and-leaf shelters, and they would live in there for a week to remember the 40 years that they had lived in the wilderness while God led them to the promised land and how God had kept them alive and God had provided for them. He said, I don't ever want you to forget that wilderness wandering. I want you to remember what it was like so that you can remember how good it is to be here now. And that's what Leviticus 23 is about. And I think it is important for you and I to look at that. Uh, We've talked about this throughout the book of Leviticus the last five weeks, that sometimes it's the book you skip over, or it's it's the one that you kind of read and you just kind of gloss your eyes over and you don't really understand or we don't really want to talk about it. But it is important for us to look at it because it gives us a picture, one, of what life was like before Jesus. These are things that had to be done. But it also, like in chapter 23, gives us a picture of what's important to God and his people. God says the most important things, the things that you block on your calendar, the things that everything else fits around. He said, these are it. Never forget. He says, never forget that you've been rescued from death. Never forget that you've been set free from captivity. Never forget that I am the provider of everything you have. Never forget to celebrate what you've been given. Never forget to celebrate a new year of life and that I am the author and the perfecter and the sustainer of life. Never forget to celebrate the Day of Atonement. That was what Adam talked about last week, which was the taking away of sins. Never forget to celebrate the the festival booth. Never forget to celebrate that while you wandered, while you were lost, while you were set apart from where you were supposed to be, I still sustained you and provided for you. God says these are the most important things. And I think it's, it's good and it's healthy for you and I to look at that. But, but it's not enough. You and I have to also learn how that ties into the new covenant connection that we live in now. So if we don't live in a Leviticus world, then how does it apply to you and me and and to Jesus today? And and that's really important for us. And so we're going to walk through that real quick this morning as well. And so Leviticus talks about the easiest one, probably the easiest connection for you and I to make is the Passover, right? We understand that you and I have life. We have been set free from death because of the blood that covers our lives in Jesus. Jesus is our Passover lamb. And and it's really interesting to see that God, in his infinite wisdom, timed the most important events in Jesus' life, and they often coincided with one of these Leviticus Old Testament festivals. Of all the days, in the 365 days of the year, of all the days that God could have chosen for Jesus to be crucified for your sins and for mine, That day actually ended up being on the Friday afternoon when all of the lambs were killed in preparation for the the feast of the Passover. So the day that Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, went to the cross was actually the same day that all of God's people would have been bringing their own spotless lambs to the priest to be killed so that their sins could be forgiven. God wants us to look ahead. Everything in Leviticus for God's people was for them to look ahead to Jesus who would come. 
the most important things in their calendar were about Jesus, even if they didn't know it. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, If you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time of exile, knowing that you and I were ransomed, we were bought with the, from the futile ways that we inherited, not with perishable things, not with silver and gold, but you and I were bought with the precious blood of Jesus like the lamb without blemish or spot. And, and the Passover reminds us, it points us to a lamb that will come and die once and for all. The festival of unleavened bread reminds us that you and I have been set free from slavery to sin. The festival of the first fruits reminds us that Jesus is our first fruit. That everything we have is because of him and that Jesus was the one who went before God first. Once again, God worked this out. In the year that Jesus was crucified, that Sunday, when Jesus rose from the dead, was also the festival of first fruits. Because it was the day after the Sabbath during the Festival of Unleavened Bread. That Sunday was the festival where you celebrated the first fruits, and Jesus is referred to as the first fruit of our resurrection. God sent Jesus first, and Jesus' resurrection from the dead is the first one of the many that God provides for you and for me. God reminds us that Jesus is our, provides our harvest. Jesus is the one who, who now, it's, it's not just grain and, 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 and food. Now Jesus provides people. And, and he is the one that provides that. The festival of trumpets signals to us that Jesus is the one who brings life. In fact, in, in the Scripture in the New Testament, it reminds us that when Jesus returns, he will come with what? The sound of a trumpet. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven. With a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive, we will be left, we will be caught up together with the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we always be with the Lord. That feast pointed ahead to a time when a Savior would come, and it points ahead now to a time when a Savior will return. The Day of Atonement, Adam did a phenomenal job last week talking about that. I'm not going to spend very much time on that. It's where we see that Jesus takes away our sin. And we talked about last week, Adam did, that, that we don't have to worry about that anymore. We don't have to bring bulls and cows here and cut their throats and, and put blood all over all of you because our sin has been forgiven once and for all because of Jesus. In fact, in Revelation chapter 1, they say Jesus is the faithful witness. He's the firstborn of the dead. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, he has made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Day of Atonement reminds you and me now that we have once and for all been atoned because of Jesus. And you and I are reminded from the Festival of Booths that points to a time where God's people would gather to celebrate that Jesus always provides. Now, in the New Testament, in our day and age, we don't observe those. We don't, there's no booth set up in the parking lot that you and your family can come sleep under tonight. We could do that this week if you want. We don't construct booths. We don't live in them. But we do gather every week. You and I, we gather every week to give thanks and praise to Jesus who provides our salvation and meets our every need. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, My God will supply every one of your needs according to his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus. And church, I really do think it's important 
That took us about 12 minutes. <laughs> I think it's important for you and I to look at what God did in the Old Testament, how God's people lived, and what was important to them. I think it's really important for you and I to learn how that ties in to us and to Jesus in the New Testament. But church, I'm going to tell you something this morning. It's not enough. It's not enough. I was thinking about this as I was prepping the sermon this week. Uh, the very first church I served in, we had this guy that went to our church, and he was, he was a unique dude um, and a super nice guy. And it was kind of a weird, I ne I've never heard of this before, I've never seen this again. So there, there is a, a large group of people uh, all over the world that refer to themselves as Jews for Jesus. They're people who grew up in a Jewish home, but found Jesus as their Lord and Savior and have given their life to Jesus, but they still live by some of the Jewish customs under the umbrella of Jesus as their Savior. But we had a guy in our church who converted to Jews for Jesus. I don't know how that works. Um, but he was not Jewish, but he found Jesus through a Jewish person, and so he gave his life to Jesus, but then practiced all the Jewish customs. And so he would come to church, and he would have a prayer shawl and a yarmulke, and he actually, I, I was joking earlier, but he actually set up um, a booth uh, for the Festival of Booze in our parking lot one year, and you could bring your family, and you could eat there, and he would teach on things from Leviticus, and he would, he would help us look at Leviticus, and he would help us learn all these things. He did a Passover meal for us one year, and it was super enlightening. It was really, really good, and we got to see and, and learn all those things, but church, I'm going to tell you something I learned. It's not enough. That guy was adamant, and, and they were super strict. I got yelled at real bad one time as the youth minister because I only bought pizza with ham and pepperoni and their kids didn't eat that because they obeyed the Jewish laws of food. And I didn't know that. I like pigs. And so um, <laughs> I got in trouble. Um, but here's what I'll tell you. Um, years after we left, uh, we learned that uh, that guy had walked away from his faith. Um, he had a giant addiction that none of us knew about. He left his wife and his kids and ran off with somebody else. His story is not what matters this morning. Here's what I want to tell you. We can look all we want and we can learn all we want, but if we don't live out the purposes of God's celebrations, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter this morning how much you and I look at Scripture. It doesn't matter how much you and I learn about how it ties into Jesus. None of that matters if you and I do not choose to live out the purposes of God's covenant celebrations, of God's word, of the things that God has established. Philip Yancey, uh, the famous author, tells a story of him and his wife went to visit Old Faithful out in Yellowstone National Park, and he said, there's a clock out there, or at least when he went, there's a digital clock that counts down from about 25 minutes until the next Eruption, And he said they were passing time, and there's a restaurant right next to Old Faithful, I guess. And he said they were eating, and as the clock got down to about three minutes, everybody got up from their tables and ran to the windows and awaited this. And he said all of a sudden the geyser goes off, and he said people are ooing and aahing. Some people applauded. It was beautiful. And he said, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, everybody did that except as soon as it went off, all the busboys and the waiters and the waitresses just flooded the room. And they cleaned up all the dishes, they refilled water glasses, they were working, working, working while everybody was watching this amazing thing that God was doing. And he said not a single one of them ever looked out the window, even when they were done with their chores. He said, I, I, I couldn't believe it. 
He said, it dawned on me that Old Faithful, this amazing, miraculous thing that we were watching, he said it had grown entirely too familiar and had lost its power to impress those who had seen it every day. Church, I, I think... I think in this day and age, you and I might be in danger of that. I, I think we live in a culture uh, that is surrendered to our calendar, but not in a good way. I, I think you and I might be in danger of, of getting so caught up and getting the dishes off the table and the water glasses full and all the things right in our life that God does something amazing and we go, oh, yeah, I wasn't watching. I think maybe you and I have forgotten to ooh and to awe and, and to applaud the amazingness of God. And I think maybe that's why God put these in place in the Old Testament. God knew that Israel's problem, if you read the Old Testament, their problem is always the same thing. God does something amazing. He rescues them. He sets them free. And they're like, God's great. And then like a week later, they're like, eh, I kind of forgot about that. And God knew. God had spent 40 years in the wilderness with them. He knew how easy it would be to forget how great and miraculous what had been done for them was. And so God said, you've got to put these blocks in your life. You've got to remember that you've been set free from death. You've been rescued from slavery. Everything you have is from me. You've got to remember that your sins have been forgiven. You've got to remember that I am always sustaining and providing. God says you've got to remember this because it's so easy to forget. In church, that reminds you and me of what's important to God. It's important that we seek God's presence, that we celebrate God and his salvation, that we share what we have with other people, and that we submit to God's sovereignty over time. See, see God is sovereign. He, he's all-knowing and he's over all things. So that includes time itself. There's no such thing as a calendar to God. So how could God not be over your personal time and mine. See, I think Leviticus reminds you and me this morning that God is calling us to order our time around him. And when we forget to do that, we, we, we miss the majesty of God. When you and I make what God does common, when it's just something else that's thrown on the counter, when it's not the central focus of our life, then God can do something amazing right out your window and you miss it because you're picking up the dishes. See, the reality this morning is my calendar illustration with the blocks and all that stuff, um, it, it really doesn't work perfectly. It's not completely wrong, but it's not perfect. See, see, what Leviticus teaches you and I this morning is that it's not about putting your God block in your calendar and everything just revolves around that. I think that's important. I, I, if you look real close, I have quiet time in a block on my calendar. I have church in a block on my calendar. I have my discipleship group on a block in my calendar. I think that matters. But I don't think that's what Leviticus teaches us. I think it teaches us that it's about surrendering every block to God. It's not about giving God one block and then putting everything around it. It's about every block being God's. 
And the best way to make that happen is to prioritize things like corporate worship and discipleship groups and small groups and being in his word and daily, quiet time, celebrating what he does, sharing with others. That's all important. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. But church, don't miss this this morning. The, the purpose of Leviticus is not to give you and I another task to do or a date to put on the calendar. It wasn't that purpose for God's people in Leviticus either, just for the record. Its purpose was for God's people to prioritize their entire life to revolve around who God was and what he had done. And everything would permeate out of that and be saturated by that. And so church, as the band comes this morning, let me ask you a question. What does your life revolve around now? Maybe the better question is who? And if you're like me this morning, <laughs> maybe your life needs a little reorienting that only God and his Holy Spirit could do. You know, I, I thought about this all week, and there's an old illustration that we've used a bazillion times, and it's good. You've seen this probably 50 million times. I'm not going to do the whole thing for you this morning because I don't have time. But we take a jar and we say, this, this jar is my life, Right? This jar is my life. And so there's certain things I only have so much room in my life, right? And so we talk about, if, if I did the whole illustration for you, normally you'd put the salt or the sand, and these are the things that don't matter. These aren't the things of God. And if you put those things in first, then we have these giant rocks, which I can't get out of there this morning. We have these giant rocks that you try to put in, and we say, well, there's no room left for God because I filled it with all the little things that don't really matter, right? So then we take all the rocks out, and we say, okay, put the rocks in first. And one is going to church. One is my quiet time with God. Uh, one is prayer. One is uh, maybe discipling my family. And we put all those in, and then we say, okay, now all the other little things that, that don't matter, we, we put those in next, and that's how you have room for everything, right? And that illustration is good, but one thing is wrong. Honestly, I never thought about this until this week when I was sitting in Leviticus. So thanks, Dave, for making me read Leviticus. <laughs> all right? The rocks are right. The rocks are right. We, we have to put the things of God first. That's, that's what God was doing in Leviticus. It's the festivals. It's the things that we can't forget. The salt's right. I, we have to have other things in our lives. My kids have events to go to. We have jobs that we go to. There are other things that maybe aren't rocks, but they have to be involved in our life. The jar's wrong. The jar's wrong. It's not my life. It's God's. It's not mine to fill. It's his. It's not about putting the right things in first and the right things in second and making sure they all fit so that my life is okay. It's about remembering that it's God's life because he's the one that created it. He's the one that died for it. And he is certainly the one that restored it and saved it. The jar is his, not yours, and not mine. And so church, this morning, I hope and my prayer is that maybe Leviticus reorients us back to God so that you and I can just go to God and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna block you on my calendar. God, my calendar is yours. 
I'm not going to make sure I have room in my life for you, God, so I can fit other things after. God, I'm going to put things first that help me remember that it's your life. So my prayer this morning as we sing and as we worship is that Jesus and his Holy Spirit would reorient you and me to remind ourselves that when we give our life to Jesus, our life is dead and buried. And we are raised to a new life that is in Jesus, clothed in Christ. It's his life. I invite you to give it back to him as we stand and sing.